cash call everybody, Dale Archdeacon, Brian Curtis, back for another week of amazing sales training. Uh, you know, Brian, I, I wonder how long we're going to do this. Are we going to be like those two old guys from the Muppet Show up in the balcony? What were their names? I, I think I don't know, but I think we're already like the two old guys from the Muppet <laughs> Show. At least I right. feel that way. <laughs> I think we've already achieved that status. <laughs> we just show up and laugh whether anybody's here or not. I think it was like Mortimer and uh, shit. I can't remember what their names are. Uh, Alex Montalvo says, how do you pronounce your last name, Dale? It's Dale Archdeacon, like the Archdeacon of a church. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, you know, fine name. Uh, it's actually Irish or Scottish or whatever. Uh, Absolutely. But today, for your listening pleasure, everyone, I have a call. That Guess I who I? Listen to. It's one of our trainees uh, that's in training with us. And, uh, you know, I'm going to play her attempt at executing some of our training. And live on the show, we're going to correct it a little bit. And we're just going to talk about some of these things because this is why we do this, right? Absolutely. We put it out there. We want to help everyone listening. We want to help, including our clients, you know, my clients, Brian's clients that are here listening to us, uh, just as an additional way for us to help. Yeah, no, I love it. And, you know, it's funny because there's so much nuance in, in conversation. And communication is kind of my my thing that I love to study, and it's uh, I'm kind of passionate about it. I know people are like, really, Brian? I'm like, yeah, really. So it's okay. I'm weird, and I'm, I'm good with that. But it's it's all the little things. And, you know, we do role play on Wednesday, so I did a role play about an hour ago. And, and we spent probably the entire role play for about an hour talking about the nuances of it. And so what I want to say to everybody who's listening, the nuances are what takes you to the next level. I will tell you this. You can, if you can just get up and hammer the phones, you can probably have a pretty decent living if you're willing to do that. But these nuanced things will take everything to the next level, make everything easier. So if you're sick of beating your head against the wall, hopefully we can share something with you today that might, might help move that forward for you. Yeah, man. You know, what's funny is um, I just actually, I want to kind of share this. So I just shot a quick video. So obviously, you know, Brian is a coach. I'm a coach. We have our respective coaching companies. Um, today, as I was like, there was a lead that scheduled a time to jump on a Zoom and chat with me and they mm -hmm. ghosted, right? So my salesperson was trying to make sure they were going to show up because he was a little curious. He was like a little suspicious and they ended up ghosting. They didn't show. So then I text, I'm sitting there on the Zoom waiting and the language that I used in the text message and what I did caused them to reply and caused them to apologize. And then I fixed it, or then I, you know, after being kind of heavy, then I fixed the relationship with them. Nice. And I, I shot a quick video, like showing what the text messages are back and forth. I'm going to post that on social. The reason I went down on, on, into that monologue, Brian, is that I, I'm active. I'm still active in sales. I sell training and coaching, right? I, I talk to people that need to have issues fixed for themselves. And it's funny that, you know, at this point in our careers, having done so much and having so many conversations with people in so many different situations that it's fun for me now to be like in a conversation with somebody who's inquiring about our services and you can just very quickly assess them, understand where they're at, know what should be said or how things should be spun or how they shouldn't be said or how they should be, shouldn't be spun, right? What you should or shouldn't ask where you should or shouldn't go whether you should continue selling or whether you've sold enough, whether you, you know, you're, you're at the sale. Now it's just pretty much time to tell them where the credit card goes. 
uh, or if they're unsold and you need to make the next step to, you know, chase them down in the future. Um, so I love this stuff too. And being able to study that stuff like really is, is exciting for me. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, it's, it's what makes me go, you know, I know it seems weird, but uh, you know, to me, it's communication, persuasion, and influence. And those are the, the three things that I really focus on. And that gives me the ability to have whatever I want. Now, I don't always use it. I don't always apply it enough. And, you know, Dale makes mistakes, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm not, I don't know that, but I make oh, yeah. mistakes. I still, <laughs> but, I still break in a, a few eggs in the pursuit yeah. of perfect omelets, believe me. <laughs> but you know what? That's the fun of it. And, you know, I, I want to applaud everybody for being here. Just like I did say this to, you know, my role play is optional. I just like I said, I want to applaud everybody for being here. You know, there's a lot of people who are quitting right now. And I'm not talking about, you know, they're, they're quitting till the end of the year. I'm talking about they're quitting. They're getting out of this business. They've decided it's too hard. You know, my coach the other day told me that they're expecting a 30% attrition rate over the next 24 months. That's a really high attrition rate. So, I applaud you for being here and saying, hey, I don't want to be one of those people. That's basically one out of three people. Let's just round up for easy numbers. One out of three people who you know is a realtor right now in the next 24 months won't be a realtor. So I applaud you for being here because this is the kind of stuff that will allow you to, to kill those people, not kill them, but get ahead of them, crush crush them and be one of those people. Um, yeah, one out of three is serious. That's what Alex said. And I really appreciate that. It is a real thing. And it's because we have to have sales skills. It's because we have to be persuasive. It's because we're going to have to do more than open the door. And I'm super excited about that. And I know that seems weird, but I'm sick of somebody beating me because they answer the phone two seconds faster than me. <laughs> right. That makes sense, man. Yeah. Uh, before I get into this call, I do want to say something about that too. I'm, I, I hear a lot of, um, let's say, not necessarily legacy agents, but agents who have a lot of experience in the business who necessarily aren't, let's put it this way, Brian and I, and probably a lot of you listeners are the kind of people who are like, hey, if there's going to be houses sold and money to make, I'm good at selling houses and I like making money. It's going to be me and I'm going to make sure it's going to be me who's going to sell that house and make the money, right? That's kind of the attitude that we have. That's the, that's the, that's the approach that we take. I'm hearing a lot of agents and this is why they fail out. This is why they don't make it is because you hear things like, well, we'll see what the market does. I don't know. It's kind of tough. I'm hoping that it turns around, you know? Well, I think that Brian and myself and listeners just like us are like, shit, I'd love for it to turn around too. I'd love for it to be easy too. But as long as it isn't easy, I'm still going to eat and I'm still going to sell houses, right? Well, and it's going to happen. It'll be me. You and I agree about 95% of the time. I don't want it to get easy again. That's oh, where I'm going to disagree true. with you. I, because I, I hear where you're going. Go for Because it. I can't differentiate myself if my only skill is popping the lockbox. I can't, I can't follow up better if there's no one to follow up with because everybody tried to close in 30 days. So I love the fact that we now have an opportunity to say, look, I actually have a skill set. This guy over here doesn't, and he's not willing to learn it. And so he's going to quit. I'm a a salesperson and I practice it. I'm going to do it now. Well, you know, and one of my favorite things to say to people when we're talking about coaching is you signed up theoretically, the majority of people listen to this phone call, expect to make, or this webinar, expect to make a hundred thousand plus dollars a year. Now I know a hundred thousand dollars isn't what it was 10 years ago. I'm not delusional there, 
but it's a still a pretty good living. And you're not just going to, you know, there's not high school and college students graduate and go, Hey, pay me a hundred grand for the most part. Those, you know, it's hard to get a hundred thousand dollar year jobs. Easy to get a $50,000 year job right now, but a hundred thousand dollar year job. And plus, and, you know, depending on your market, maybe $200,000. And again, I want to applaud the people who realize that if you're going to get paid six figures and high six figures, that's a skill set you have to develop. It's not pop the lock, write the contract. So, so important. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Do you want Brian and I to get to what you're here for? Do you want us to stop pontificating? Seriously, like, a little pontification today. <laughs> like two old guys up in the balcony, two points for whoever remembers who the old guys are from Muppet Show and you can post their names. Jennifer's like, yes. Alex is like, get down to business. Okay, okay, we, right. we get down to All business. Right. Let's Let me do play it. this call. Let me play this call. We're going to talk about uh, skill set here. And so she's trying to execute this pattern. So we have this pattern that we use for things like uh, waiting for the market to crash or waiting for interest rates to come down or go up or Bernie Sanders to get into office or whatever the hell you're waiting for, right? And basically the, the pattern would be to, I'm going to unpack you. I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to understand your perspective. And then I'm going to educate you and then close you. Uh, right. So that's kind of the pattern. Statler and Waldorf. Thank you, John Ray. Um, so that's the pattern that should be followed. But I want you to listen to what this agent does. She tries to do it, which is excellent. She showed up for training. She's trying to execute it. Doesn't quite execute it right. And we'll then pause and give some feedback to get that sorted out. Nice. Uh, where's my share button? Share screen. Here we go. I'm going to go over here. Got it teed up. We're just going to skip over the intro. Moving. I have it sped up a little bit. No, I'm waiting, waiting for a deal to come through. They say uh, it's going to get real bad next year, so I'm probably going to, I'll, I'll be looking, but I'm probably mm -hmm. going to do something next year. He said, I'm waiting for a deal to come through. They say it's going to get really bad next year. Interesting. Oh, next year you're thinking? Sorry. Yeah. You said you're waiting for the what next year? I didn't catch that one word. Uh, she, the shit hit the fan. Oh, yeah, like the crash, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of bad. Waiting for the shit to hit the fan is what he said. Uh, so she wow. reiterates, waiting for the market to crash. Bad stuff on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely all over the place. There's been a lot of stuff going around, and it, it's I'm, I'm right there with it all, too. You think it'll happen about next year? Now, I love the question, except that she was leading too much. You think it will happen next year, or I guess he did say next year. So the question is fine. Yeah. So you think it will happen next year. I don't like all the agreement that she did up front. I don't want to reinforce the guy's objection. I don't need to reinforce his objection. He already thinks that, right? I don't need to validate him. Is my I agree. 100%. And, you know, I, to Dale's point, went on to argue with him, but we may, we definitely don't want to tell him he's right. Because first of all, if anybody knows exactly what the market's going to do, please call me. We'll become multimillionaires together. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, um, let me just unpack that a little bit. Don't, don't validate the objection they just gave you when our intent is going to be, hmm, let me see if I can get you to do something differently or sooner or with a different person let me not start by saying oh yeah you should definitely shouldn't do something or you definitely shouldn't do it sooner or you should definitely wait for this thing to happen and then try to proceed to have you come up with a different uh, way of going about it uh, it's just exactly. counterintuitive no i 100 agree yeah 
day, and I I just got all my everything's in cash right now, so I'm mm -hmm. I'm ready for the deals, but uh, they'll be coming for a while now. Yeah. Once everything, once the recession really hits full bore, then I'll be buying. Okay, absolutely. Are you just wanting to buy during that because you want lower pricing? Yeah, I I don't want to buy now or do anything now because uh, when everything falls apart, you know, if you bought now, you're gonna you're gonna be screwed. Yeah. I could understand that. And a lot of people are talking about like, you know, a lot of people were around for the 2007, 2008 crash. It's different because this one might be a little bit different just considering that we still have like low inventory. There's, you know, yeah. Okay. So she's going into the reasons why it's different. This is part of the, what the training that we do, but it really wasn't quite applied in the right way. What I would say for this student, if you're listening is that what you want to do, we don't even know why this guy, what's he doing? We, you know, it sounds like he's an investor. We don't know why he's an investor. We don't know whether he's currently in our market, which we find out later he's not. He doesn't own anything in our market. So before I get around to changing the guy's mind in this particular scenario, I want to find out what are you doing? Are you trying to buy an investment property? Or are you trying to buy a home to live in? In this case, you know, once we get through this call, if you listen to this, it sounds like he's potentially trying to buy a second home or a vacation home in our area, but we never really established why. Uh, and so what I would say for the student listening to this is instead of getting into the, the mud pit with this guy, instead of trying to argue with him about what's going to happen or not happen or when it's going to happen, understand him a lot better about his motivation and his wants and needs. Because if he has no motivation or ability or need I don't give a shit what you think about what the market's going to do. And I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise because you don't have a need or a want or an ability. 100%. And, you know, it's interesting because that's, that's, we have to do the right discovery and in the right order. And it's not something we often talk about, but again, you know, here's something I see happen too. Well, the market sucks and this and this and this and this. Okay, cool. And then you do a little bit more discovery. You find out you're talking to somebody who's been unemployed for six months. So what does the market have to do with anything if, you know, and they don't have a pile of cash either. So, I mean, there's nothing, right. you don't have to be employed to buy a house, but you either need cash or you need to have some sort of way to purchase a house. So, you know, sometimes the order matters and you know what, at the end of the day, sometimes we waste a little bit of time, but I, I think it's super important if we were going to try to handle this objection, we got to understand where this guy's getting his information from, like based on what? And I wouldn't ask this question exactly this way. Is the market going to crash? You know, what is the economic driver that causes the market? The, here's a great question. What, what causes a housing market to crash? I want to know what this guy believes. Oh, it's the economy. Actually, it's not. Actually, it has very little to do with the economy. If you look historically, our worst our worst depressions, if you will, houses actually went up in value with the exception of 2008 and 2008 was driven by the housing market. Therefore, it had to do that. But if you look at all the other recessions that have happened or the, even the Great Depression, housing market, housing prices went up. So the economy does not drive housing prices. Like, you know, how was the economy in 2020? It was garbage. Like, you know, it was a crappy economy. Guess what? Housing prices skyrocketed. So- yeah, and those are the kind of things that you you need to have though that information in your tool belt. And again, I hate this is one of the things that I hate telling and not asking. So ask this person what he believes because you're closing an objection that you have no idea what it is because she went and talked about how this one was different. Da 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 da. da. There's nothing wrong with that. Her information was correct, but why did we go there? 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, back to back to my point to begin with was she I don't believe that she should have gone down that path before she understood what his intent or ability or purpose was. Hey, uh, I agree. One hundred percent. Then I think she could have started to try and execute some of that if necessary. Yeah. And, you know, here's a bit of a real simple question at the beginning of that conversation. So, uh, you know, I understand you're not looking right now, you know, give him his little whatever. If you were looking, would you be looking to purchase an investment property or something to live in? Oh, yep. investment property. Because I can say right now, I actually kind of agree that right now may not be the best time to buy an investment property. I agree with that. Not because I think the market's going to crash, because I think the market's really strong. <laughs> so that's yep. why. I am. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's tough to find an investment property right now, but I mean, any for me, any time is the right time to buy a property where the numbers make sense. Agreed. And you know, what's funny, Brian, is that this guy in his, you know, he doesn't sound super sophisticated, but he is a property owner. He's been doing mm -hmm. it for a while and it's kind of, you know, you could, she could have used now she's a junior agent. She's pretty new, but she could have used that kind of logic with the guy because he's super logical, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait for the market to crash. I got a pile of cash. I'm going to buy deals when they start raining like candy from the sky, right? Hey, mm -hmm. that sounds fantastic, man. I want to do that too. But let me ask you something. If I come across an investment property that makes sense according to the way you do your numbers and looks profitable to you, do you think you'd want to take a look at it, right? Yeah. Just to close, like the guy already in set himself up to have to say yes to that, right? Yes. 100%. So. And that's something she could use for this investor because it always makes sense to buy an investment property if the numbers make sense. Right. And, and you know, I guess I need to clarify that. Like rental property is still a viable thing right now. There's just not a ton of flips out there. And, but you, can you find one? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, a guy on our team flipped three houses this year. Wow. That's so good. it's it's a thing. It's a it's a real thing. Now it's more challenging than it was six months ago, but it's yeah. not impossible. You know, and, and those of you who are investors or are counseling investors, my philosophy is really simple, and this has served me and the, my clients well. You don't make money when you sell the house; you make money when you buy the house. Oh yeah, Absolutely. which is one of the reasons that I hate working with investors because I got to show them twenty properties before they're going to buy one. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, so we, we've always said, man, we don't. We don't do, we don't do, um, you don't work with investors. You find deals. If you, if an agent finds a deal, I promise you, if it's anywhere near a deal, you're going to have a line of people that want to buy it from you. You don't need investors. You need deals. Cool. All right. I've got a call to play, but let's, um, I'm going to answer Alex Matavos. Um, I think maybe I just misspoke there. I was saying I was counseling an investor. In other words, coaching an investor. I don't know what a counseling investor is. That's his question. What is a counseling investor? I'm saying that I was coaching an investor or giving them information or sharing information about the market. Um, and then Dale, um, uh, looks like Lisa Miller says, you have an interesting language around 11 recessions. Can you repeat that? Yeah, Lisa. In um, So basically when you're educating somebody, if you go Google this, everybody, how many recessions have there been in the last hundred years? And how many times have home prices gone down any, you know, uh, substantive amount? Uh, and over the last hundred years, there have been 11 recessions. And only during two of them have uh, home prices gone down an appreciable amount. And that was 1980 and 2008. Yep. Uh, and, you know, there are several factors, especially around 2008, that just aren't present now. That's something that that agent was trying to execute in this call that we heard. 
Um, yeah. But that, if, that is, that's what we said. And if you actually look at that, one of the things that can help you during a recession most of the time is owning a house or buying houses. So, you know, it, it, and so in, in some ways, this guy's right. When when we have recession, sometimes there's opportunities and those opportunities are created because people have financial problems and need to get rid of their house very, very quickly. So in that way, he's he's right. It's just that I don't believe that, that there's going to be a recession driven by the housing market like 2008. And that's probably the biggest fallacy that we're hearing. It's going to be just like 2008. It's nothing like 2008. And if you don't know what that's like, research that because you need to be able to talk about what's different in 2008 and 2023 because they're day and yeah. night. Yeah, seriously. I, and um, I don't know about you, Brian. It just seems like the only thing that's going to be, the only thing that might, that will happen and is happening currently in some markets is just it's the velocity of the the value increase is slowing down. It's yeah, still increasing. Uh, yeah, one of my yeah. strong and increasing. Yeah, here's a great statement that you can use: the market is not decreasing; it's simply increasing slower. Yeah, yeah. The the, uh, the increase has slowed. That's about it. But it's yeah. still creeping. Uh, right, just cool. like my waist, just like my waistline, Brian. <laughs> I slowed it. I haven't stopped it. <laughs> I'm working on stopping mine as well. So um, one of the opportunity to buy the demand, right? Okay. So uh, Devin says that everyone and their mother is wanting an opportunity to buy. That's an interesting thing. And the demand is, um, and the demand, and the demand might honestly be greater. Okay. That that's possible as well. Um, I think that's going to be very market dependent, but yeah, that's a real possibility. So thank you for that input. All right. I'm going to play my call. Um, and just here, I feel like we got a couple minutes left. You good with that, Dale? Let's do it. Yeah, let's All do right. it. We got right. to give these raving fans what they want, right, fans? There they are. <laughs> so if you saw me messing around, I just had to have a little bit of fun. I'm, yeah. I want to preface this. I cut off the beginning of this calls because their names were given back and forth. So I cut those out. But I will say this person did a good intro script. Yeah. If people were listening on the audio version of the podcast, it, Brian just has a screensaver now of Stadler and uh, what was his name? I can't remember. The Muppets. <laughs> Waldorf, Stadler and Waldorf. So right now we're waiting for Brian's call to play. Oh, what we're waiting for now. is Brian learning how to, to do this because I've only done it about 400 times. And <laughs> that's not an exaggeration. Three or four years. <laughs> yeah, so I still don't know how to hit the share sound button all the time, apparently. So let me try that again. Here we go. Give me a thumbs up if you hear me down. You're checking out uh, 490 Poplar Road in Centerton? Yes. Okay, uh, tell me a little bit as to what's caught your eye about this home. Um, we've just recently started looking, but to tell you the truth, that was the first house that I liked, and it's just a little bitty sketch. It's not even anything really to look at. I just really like the layout. Okay. And the neighborhood. Pause. Yeah, well, these are... Hmm. I don't know, man. This lady just started her search, and lo and behold found something with the perfect layout can we give her a little more energy that's fantastic congratulations <laughs> it happened that way like, so is it a little happier it's it's interesting that you say that dale so again on our role play this morning one of the things that i was talking about and and she in my opinion she has decent energy okay so let me we'll play the rest of that call but here's something like we had a guy and he was doing like uh, basic discovery on housing needs, like bedrooms, bathrooms. So he was asking this, how many bedrooms do you want? How many bathrooms do you want? And 
And, and, you know, what I said to him is I want you to feel the difference. I know and people are going, Brian, really feel the difference. No, I want you to feel the difference in these two things. How many bedrooms will be good for you? Three. Okay. Hey, man, in a perfect world, if you got to pick, what would be the ideal number of bedrooms for you? Those are two exact same questions. And, I, and, and if you listening to that, I want you to just feel it in yourself. Like which one of those makes you want to answer that question? Which one makes you feel like you're at the proctologist? Because that's really, I know, I don't know. It's been a long, it's been a long year, Dale, but there it is. <laughs> there it is. So I, I'm going to, and that's what I suggested to the agent who did that. I said, look, listen to your calls and tell me how you feel if you were the person being asked those questions. I know it's not exciting to ask somebody how many bedrooms they want, but no. you still have to ask like it's the greatest yeah. question you've ever asked in your life. It, it helps so much. Yeah. Uh, Brian, do you have more point that you want to make? Because I want to talk about the energy thing. No, go do it. Okay. So just like what you're saying, you're like, hey, I know it's not freaking exciting to ask another uh, you know, buyer how many bedrooms they want. But guess what, man? I want people to think about it this way. Uh, if I'm just starting my search, if I'm just getting into this, I'm, I'm excited about how many goddamn bedrooms I want. <laughs> or I have needs around how many bedrooms I want. So it actually matters to me. So just pretend like it matters to you too, which I think is what Brian is saying. Absolutely. In, addition, in addition to that, think about it this way. Every time that you talk to a lead, especially when they say, we're just starting our search, we're just starting to look, we're, whatever it may be, that put yourself into their shoes. They took the risk to reach out to and accidentally speak to a scary salesperson mm -hmm. who, you know, they're not sure how they feel about doing that in the first place, whether that was a good idea for them. And they don't know if they're in the right place or not, right? They don't know if they're doing the right thing or not, or if they're, you know, they're self-conscious about the fact that they're just starting or that they haven't done their finances or whatever it may be. They're self-conscious about it. And if they meet a deadpan, how many bedrooms, how many baths, right? Mueller, Mueller, like it doesn't make them feel better. It doesn't make them yeah. feel warm and fuzzy. But if they meet a, yeah, we're just getting started. That's fantastic. I, you know what? I love helping people when they first get, get started. That makes them feel like, oh, I'm in the right place. I'm doing something right. I yeah. kind of like you, strange, scary salesperson, because you made me feel good. Right. And remember, theoretically, you're going to go spend 10, 15, 20 hours with these people, theoretically, hopefully not, hopefully not more on the on the front side than the back. But imagine if people are excited to see you because you're fun to hang out with. Now, is that a requirement to be a good real estate agent? Absolutely not. But Does it help? Yes. Hell yeah. I think that every real estate agent should be required to take acting lessons. And I know that sounds like an extreme statement, maybe. No, not at all, but, man. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, there's a great book called The Alter Ego. If you're a person who's struggling with what Dale and I are talking about right now, and it talks about a lot of famous people who didn't feel comfortable doing the thing that they're now famous for. Bo Jackson, Beyonce were just two that come to my come to mind. They yeah. created an alter ego, both of them, and there's multiple other examples throughout the book. They created alter egos because they wanted the success, but it wasn't natural for them. So if you're a person watching, go, Brian, that's just not me. You don't have to be me and Dale, but you got to be something that somebody's interested in spending time with. And, you know, and if you're looking at this as a job and like, oh God, I got to go show another house. That's how you're going to come across. You know what, man? I want to do a little confessional here. 
before I was a world traveling, famous stage speaking, uh, you know, D level celebrity in the real estate industry. I, I am actually an introvert, man. And Me too. so I, I, I like money though. And <laughs> I was working in the restaurant industry, washing dishes because I didn't want to be out front in front of people because I was embarrassed and I didn't want to be in front of them. And I didn't want to have to interact with them, but I noticed how much money the bartenders made. And so I went and I got, I bar backed, I worked my way up and got my scared ass out behind the bar in front of everybody with them looking at you and having to be on. And this is like the worst thing for me, right? But it's because I wanted to make that three or $400 a night. Uh, and so I did it. And now look at me, Brian, you wouldn't even know that. I wouldn't, you know, Dale, we're over. So um, yes. I'm just going to stop this call, but I did want to share um, a couple of things. So first of all, in my opinion, this call was a pretty good call. She wasn't quite as excited as Dale wanted her to be, but I appreciate that. And, but I want to answer some of the questions that are in the chat before we finish up and then we can let everybody go and just, again, thank everybody for being here today. But um so everyone has one. Okay. So Jim, what are your thoughts about voice training, i.e. a voice coach? I've noticed agents with a natural, pleasant or sexy voice do well on the phone, LOL. Okay. So no, no Jim, I think what you should do is you should hire some Australians to work in your office is what you should do. Don't worry about it. You're not going to get the accent down. So I will say this. No training is bad. Well, that's not true. Something like getting some voice training, I don't see a I don't see a downside to that. Like I see, but I will also say this: you could probably do a lot of that yourself. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to sound like the the late night talk show host. Although, like Chris Voss talks about that, and and never split the difference is the his late night talk show voice host host voice, and you could do that, and that's fine. But it's not necessarily about the tone. It's about the the amount of energy you're putting into it. So I'll say this, if you're a person who's a low energy person, nothing wrong with that, by the way, no judgment on that. But I will say this, if you're a low energy person, two things in person, you want to ramp yourself up so you have some energy. And if you're making phone calls, stand up. That will allow more energy to flow through your body and you'll come across more. Again, listen to yourself. And that's really all we're talking about there. So um, wouldn't hurt, but not necessary. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say uh, voice training could help. However, I think that uh, mirroring and matching other people is much more important. And, and being able to, I think that acting is more important than the voice training, as uh, I Brian pointed out earlier, because listen, you can be a low energy person as long as you can fake giving a shit and having a high energy, right? And you mm -hmm. can be a high energy person as long as you can put a lid on that shit when you need to and slow down right? And be a little more somber when somebody doesn't want to hear that you, you bouncing around the room. Uh, so as long as you can act like I'm, my kids find it so funny to listen to me doing like podcasts or doing training. Cause I don't talk like this in me real either. life. Yeah, neither. <laughs> we don't, you don't hear me doing all these crazy things in real life. It doesn't work that way unless I've had several beers, right? But otherwise uh, my, that's not my every day. So it's just acting. Yeah. You know, can you imagine my, my office is upstairs in my house. And my wife was walked downstairs and I was hey, really great. She'd be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> stroke. No, I'm, right. uh, I'm on a podcast. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and there are times because I'm a human that I get excited and my wife will go, she'll go like this. She'll go, you need to take it down a notch. 
because sometimes I do get fired up. But 95% of the time, I'm not, I'm not that excited. Why do we do this? Well, here's a, here's a funny story, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be done chatting. But they did, a, they did a, a thing where they had two people give a speech. The first person had an amazing speech full of content. In other words, all kinds of great information that was very applicable to the audience. The second person basically had a bunch of platitudes. They said nothing, no content of relevance. This is what the what the survey said at hey, the end. Were of, you was this at a recent real estate conference I was at? Because I heard it, a few of those too. This was not real estate related, but that's funny. Um, but here's here's my point of this. They surveyed the audience about content. And here's what they said. The second guy's content was better. Why? Because he didn't talk like this and da-da-da-da-da. Because he was excited about his nothing. He was so, <laughs> excited about all of his sweet nothings. Right. So energy matters. People will feed off your energy. And, you know, what Dale's point was this, match and mirror. I agree. Match and mirror people on the front end. But you don't want to match and mirror people for an hour and a half. You need to match and mirror people when you first meet them for about 90 seconds to a minute or to two minutes. And then if you fall out of rapport, match them again. And then match and mirror before you close. You do not need to match and mirror people for three hours straight. First of all, it's exhausting. And second of all, it's not required. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on that note, everybody, as much as Brian and I love just dumping knowledge all over your brains, we do have to go because we have other things to do. So thank you so much for joining us again for Cash Call. We'll see y'all next week. Thanks, everybody.